Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star. As we kick off this Christmas series called Christmas at North Star, as we walk through these next few weeks, figuring out what the Christmas story means to us. All right, so I need to get a lay of the land. How many of y'all are Christmas people? Like, you like love Christmas. Raise your hand. You're, oh, there's a lot of you in here, right? Your trees came out July the 5th, right? And that's, you got to wait till after the big holiday, right? To get the tree out. And then at your house and my house, the Hallmark movies have begun, and they're in earnest. Every time I leave, there's love in the bayou, there's love in Manhattan, there's love under the mistletoe, there's love at the, the inn where two people, random people, they just met. It's amazing. It's crazy. But anyway, so Christmas is in full force. But finally, it's Christmas at North Star, and we're really, really excited about it. We get to kick off this holiday season in a way that we've never gotten to do before. If you're new to North Star, we had this thing called debt, all right, that, that sort of ruled us for a couple years for most of North Star's existence. But in 2018, we were able, thanks to you, to pay off $6.89 in debt. Now we take money every month that was going to a bank and we use it to bless families. And this is going to probably be one of the most amazing things we've ever been a part of. So um, I want you to remember this, and we'll put it out on social media as well. But Wednesday morning, Wednesday morning this week, between 7 and 8 a.m., around 7.20 is what's going to come out, but, but it'll be some different things going on between 7 and 8 on Star 94. Uh, if you're familiar with Star I know all of y'all listen to Christian Radio, but if that morning you listen to... All right, you listen to another radio station that morning, Star 94, on the Jen and Friends show. We're going to be doing a Christmas reveal, partnering with a local elementary school and the Jen and Friends show that morning. And North Star is a, is a part of this. And uh, it is going to be one of the most unforgettable things. So Wednesday between 7 and 8, but around 7.15, 7.20, so it's going to happen. But there'll be a couple different segments. You'll hear some familiar voices probably uh, going on during that time. It's going to be... It's going to be a Christmas miracle like we've never been a part of. And I think it's going to be one of those things for you. You're going to go, wow, that was so cool to be a part of. At our next service, our college students will be there. We'll let them know that 720 comes twice a day, right? There's morning and evening. Usually are more familiar with the 720 p.m. But this is 720 a.m., Wednesday morning. How many of y'all are going to listen Wednesday morning? Oh, yeah, that's what I want to see. All right, good. It's going to be really, really good, and it's going to be a part that you don't want to miss. So I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles. Turn to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to let you turn there for a second. You know, there's a lot of ways God could have figured out how to tell the story. When, when man fell in the garden, there had to be a redemption plan, and this was the plan all along. You would think God being the ultimate author, you would think God being the ultimate creator, you would think God being the one who knows all and can do all would have probably told this story a little different than he did, but he didn't. You would think that God would have created a casting system that he got the brightest and the best 
involved in the cast of Christmas because he knew that thousands of years later we would be still telling the story. So surely he's got to get the best to be in the story, right? He's got to he's got to get the people that looked the part, dressed the part, acted the part, were the part. They were the the high end of society. They were the the religious leaders. They were the people that had the money or the wealth or they had at least the religious part of it, the upbringing to be in this story, but that's not the story. I don't know how you grew up hearing the story of Christmas. We've sort of romanticized it a little bit. We've made it a little more than, than I think it was during that day when you heard the story. You went, oh, wow, they're in it? Wow, God put them in it? I don't know if, if you've ever gone to a Christmas play at a church or a school and they have tryouts for the parts, right? And you get Mary and Joseph and the angels and, and the shepherds. You pray you're not made an animal. But anyways, so you get all these different characters in it. There was no casting for this play. What transpired that night involved very unlikely people that got caught up in a story that was bigger than them. They really brought nothing to the table, but I think that's why God included them in the story. They're very identifiable. They're very, uh, you, you hear the story and you're like, wow, I mean, if they're in it, I could be in it. I mean, that, that really is why he left the story. And there's a phrase, fear not, that you hear all throughout the story of Christmas. Mary heard it, Joseph heard it, and today as we read along together, these shepherds that were out tending their flocks, they heard this phrase, fear not. Fear is a real deal, right? I mean, there's fear, fear caused by uh, anxiety, fear caused by circumstances, fear caused by not feeling like you fit in. There's fear for lots of reasons. These guys experienced fear for a couple reasons, but I think there was one in particular that we're going to hone in. So would y'all stand with me today as we read God's Word together? Luke chapter 2, we're only going to read a couple verses beginning down in verse number 8. Very familiar uh, even if you don't go to church, you've probably heard this. We'll talk about it here in a second where all you may have heard it. But it says this, the, the writer Luke, the doctor, as he pins this, the Holy Spirit inspires him. He writes it down so you and I could read it today. And there's a piece of it you and I got to know. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. Now, if you got your Bible, you can circle shepherds. That's who, those are the, the guys we're going to talk about a lot this morning. There were shepherds out in the field, and they were keeping watch over their flock by, what's the next word? Night. It's night. Uh, night there looks different than night here. Here you have street lights, you have car lights, you have house lights, you got lights. There, there are no lights. When it's dark, it's dark. How many of y'all have ever been somewhere where it was dark, dark? It wasn't dark. It was dark, dark. Raise your hand. It's different, isn't it? I mean, you see the stars. You see all the stuff. They were keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, understand this. This was another night. It wasn't like a special night. It was another night. They were doing what they did every night. They got no days off. They had no, you know, rollover vacation time they could, could get credit on. This was just another night. They were keeping watch of their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great, what does it say? Fear. 
fear. Now, we could try to figure out why the fear is there. And I think, I think there's two reasons it was there. I think one was the appearance of the angel. That would flip you out a little bit, right? Yeah, I saw an angel last night. Sure you did. You've been with sheep too long, right? And so, I mean, you've you got that whole thing going on. But I think there was another reason. We're going to talk about it here in a second. And I love what the angel says to them. Fear not. Fear not. I think that was a global fear not, and I think it was a very personal fear not. I think it was a fear not that he wanted us to get today, and I think it was a fear not that he wanted them to get that night. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The shepherds were not included in all the people. They were outsiders to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, what you said that night through that angel reverberates 2,000 years later. We hear it and we get it. We understand it. Fear is a real deal. Fear is a... Fear is something we all battle at some point. Father, today, would you slip into this room? Would you carve out just a couple minutes that the only voice we hear is your voice? And would you speak directly to us? And Father, we give you this time and we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Um, Shepherds. Interesting characters, right? Shepherds, uh, you, you did not aspire, let's just say it this way, you didn't aspire to be a shepherd. When you were growing up, your mom and dad didn't look at you and go, wow, one day I think you're gonna make a great shepherd. They didn't do that, right? Shepherds were given to two people. Shepherds were either A, the baby of the family, right, which was a chance there was a great character in the old testament he i'm gonna get first bible quiz of the day all right he killed a guy named goliath Does anybody remember his name see y'all are so smart you don't have to come to church next week that's very good very good you pat you passed your exam you do have to come next week but anyway so you, you get an a david so when they showed up to anoint the new king and the dad brought all his sons out he brought out all but one who was the youngest in the family and he was out watching over the sheep for he was a shepherd. That was David. So either you were A, a shepherd, B, you were a slave. You, um, you know, to do any career takes a skill. To be a machinist, to be a plumber, a welder, a mechanic, a realtor, a doctor, um, a coach, a teacher. It takes skill. To be an accountant, to be a pilot, takes skill. To be in business takes skill. Being a shepherd doesn't take skill. It just takes you watching the sheep. Now, there were good shepherds, there were bad shepherds, but there were just shepherds. There was not a long line signed up to be a shepherd. You were cast in the slot. Here was the problem with being a shepherd. Once you became a shepherd, you were a shepherd. You didn't 
you know, do it for a little while and do something else like David got to do. Typically, you were in it, and that was your life, and it was you and the sheep. That was it. Dirty, nasty, forgotten. Shepherds, when you were sending out your, your Christmas Evites, right, on, on Gmail, and you're sending out your Christmas invitation to come to the party at the house, the shepherds didn't get theirs because they were never off duty. They were on all the time, which plays into the story. All of a sudden, the most forgotten group of people enters into a story we're still telling today. They would have never been written in by anybody else but God. Nobody else would have included them. Nobody else would have thought about them, but they were included, which make us ask some questions. Question number one, ready? Why do the shepherds need to hear the words, fear not? Because they were afraid of where they stood with God. They were afraid of where they stood with God. There was not only a fear that, that encumbered them of an angel in the middle of the night saying, behold, I bring you good, good news of great joy and there's a light that, that brightens up the darkness. There was a fear in their world of where they stood with God. Shepherds never sat beside you at church the temple, the synagogue. Why? They didn't get to go. Why? They were shepherds. They stayed out in the fields all the time. The only way you were religious back then was by obeying the rules and the laws and doing your part. The shepherds had no ability to do that. I want you to write a word out beside that. Unclean, the second word, unfit. That, that was the shepherds. They were unclean because of the occupation that they had. And here's what they had been told, ready? They were not good enough for God. See, if you're good enough for God, you keep yourself clean. You keep, keep yourself holy by attending and obeying the laws. Well, they couldn't. They could not. They had no ability to go to the synagogue. They had no ability to go to the temple because shepherding is a 24-7 job. You, in fact, when the sheep would sleep, you would lay in front of the door so none of them would get out. That's what shepherds did. There's a pretty good chance that night they had just gotten their sheep down for the night when the angels blow it and they brighten up. How many of you mamas have ever had the doorbell rung when you got your babies asleep? That ever happened at your house? You go like Nick Saban did on the sideline yesterday. You go crazy because somebody woke the kids up. Well, I mean, those shepherds, their job never, I had to work that in somewhere, but it was, their job never stopped and never stopped. They were unclean, they were unfit to be holy, and they were always told they were never good enough. When you were a shepherd, you could only associate with shepherds. In fact, in the religious system of the day, shepherds were, here's a little word to write down, help you remember, they were rejected. They were rejected by the religious leaders and by people. They felt unworthy. 
See, the only way to get close to God is by doing good things for God. They had no ability to do good things for God. Zero ability to do that. They were shepherds. They did their job. They did it well. They were forgotten. And they felt unworthy. They were nomads. They were always gone. When a shepherd left home, they were gone. They would wander the fields with their sheep, bring them back to the pen at night, Here's that little point to write down. They didn't feel like they measured up to the other religious people. There's no way to measure up. I mean, these people, they, they could go and get ceremonially clean, right? So to go to, to go to church, synagogue, you had to be clean. They had no ability to get clean. They could not attend. They couldn't go. Therefore, they always felt like I'll never measure up to other people. I will never be what other people are. I am not good enough, and I can't measure up. Now think about this. Why in the world would God put them in the story? He could have used anybody. Why did he choose them? Because he knew that we would feel that way sometimes too. How many of you, honesty, no lying in church, all right, honestly have ever felt at times that I don't know if I'm good enough for God and I don't know if I measure up sometimes with other people. Raise your hand if you've ever felt like that before. I used to feel that way. Still do at times. I'll hear another pastor online and go, golly, man, they know so much more than I do. They're so much better communicators than all our people. They get to hear them, and now they got to come hear me, and i got a quirky voice, and all these things. I mean, we go through those, those fears, right? We don't measure up. We're not good enough. But here was the ultimate thing. They didn't feel like God could love them. They did not feel like God could love them. They were shunned and rejected. If people don't love me, why in the world would God ever love me? If people don't want me around, why would God ever feel like he wants me around? Let me tell you, it's universal. 2019, people still feel like they did 2,000 years ago. Now, we had it a little better, right? I mean, we, we, we're not shepherds by trade, but we... We may feel like, why would God ever want somebody like me? I've made too many mistakes. I've made too many bad choices. I've gone to places I shouldn't go. I've made promises to God I didn't keep. I've said I was going to do things I didn't do. Why, why in the world would God ever like me? You remember the, uh, so we were, we were rehearsing in her early this morning, just going through everything, making sure it all works Great and composite true noise. Would y'all thank our amazing team of volunteers, by the way, that's here at 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings to do that. So I do a really good job looking like an idiot. They do their best to keep me from doing it. All right, and so uh, we're going through it this morning, and one of my buddies, Mike Everhart, goes, you know the story of the, the Charlie Brown Christmas story, right? Oh, man, I grew up watching Charlie. Man, that was a big deal back in the day. When it would come on one of your three channels, right, the Charlie Brown Christmas story was on, and we'd tune in. I mean, it was actually a show my parents let me watch. Back then, how many of y'all are under 15 back then? Or right now, you're under 15. Raise your hand. We got a few under 15 throughout the room. You know, back then, kids didn't get to watch TV that their parents were watching. That was the parents' TV, and you sat there and changed their channels. All right, and so, but that night, we were watching the Charlie Brown Christmas story. And you remember Linus? You remember old Linus? 
Elias always had what with him? What was he always carrying? He was always carrying a blanket. That was his safety. Charlie Brown tried to get it from Linus. Lucy tried to get it from Linus. Snoopy, the great theologian, he tried to get it from Linus. It was always, everybody's trying to get Linus's blanket. One time Linus dropped his blanket. They showed me this this morning. I never knew this. Charlie Brown makes the statement, I don't even know what Christmas is all about. And Linus says, I'll tell you, Charlie Brown, what Christmas is all about. And Linus walks in the middle of the stage and he begins to quote exactly what we just read in Luke chapter two. And when Linus got to the stage and the piece in the story where he said, and the angel said, fear not, it was the only time in a Charlie Brown story Linus ever dropped his blanket. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because we all deal with fear. We all deal with things we want to hold on to. That God's got something better for us. So what do we need to know out of this? Three quick things. Here's the second question. Do you fear where you stand with God? And if so, you need to know that Jesus came to erase those fears. You know, Linus had that fear and he just carried it outwardly. We carry it inwardly. We uh, sometimes don't want to get too involved in church because I don't want to go to a small group because somebody there will know more about the Bible than me. I don't want to go to church too much or, or turn somewhere in the Bible and Mike tells me to turn because I won't turn there fast enough because everybody around me is more spiritual than me. I want everybody to do me a favor. Look to your left. Look to your right. You're safe. All right? You really are. You're, 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 you're in among friends today. Everybody here is trying to figure this thing out. You know why I turn there so fast? I clip it in before I get there, right? That's why I get there faster than you already clipped it in. I did it early this morning. I went, oh, nope, that's Habakkuk. All right, I got to go over to Luke. And so that's what happens. We feel like there's a fear that I can't fit into this story. John 3, 16 and 17, I want you to look at it on the screen with me. John writes these words that Jesus says, and he says this, for God so loved the who? Who's it say? The world. You're included. You're included. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. See, the ultimate sign of Christmas is not taking. The ultimate sign of Christmas is giving. God doesn't need anything from you he has everything for you for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son his most precious possession that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what's the next phrase eternal life he didn't want to be in heaven without you why did he include the shepherds because he knew the shepherds represented me and you and he says to us today what the angel said to the shepherds, don't have any fear, I got you covered. I don't want to be in heaven without you. For God did not send in his, his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Here's three truths, write these down. Number one, God loves you for free. You have nothing to offer him. Zero. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care where you live, what you drive, what your occupation is. The shepherds had nothing to offer him, and everybody knew it. 
and you have nothing to offer either. You can bring, have you ever tried to buy a gift for somebody that has everything, right? And you're like, I don't even know what to get. What do you get somebody that has everything? He literally has everything. He loves you for free. There is nothing he needs from you. He just wants you. He loves you for free. So I don't know what kind of religious system or a climate you grew up in. It may have been a rules-based. God will love you when you do these 15 things or these 20 things or these 10 things or these five things. And when you do them to perfection, God will love you. But until you do those to perfection, God's not gonna love you. That's not scriptural. No, the story of scripture is God so loved the world before the world ever knew him, he loved them. And he sent his one and only son that whoever, there is no qualification, whoever believes in him would not perish him but have eternal life. God loves you for free, but secondly, God wants you to spend eternity with him. He doesn't want to be in heaven without you. I want you to think about this. So we just did a series on heaven, right? So if you missed it, you can go back online. But we talked about heaven. So think about this. You get Jesus, you accept Christ, you get eternal life which means a home in heaven, streets of gold, it's never dark there, it's never night there, you're never alone there, there's no more sin there, there's no more sickness there, there's no more sadness there, there's no more tears there. Heaven's an unbelievable place. You get all that. You know what God gets? He gets you. You ever heard of a gag gift? All right, he get, we get all that, and God gets you. Listen, you're all he wants. Not only loves you for free, he don't want to spend eternity without you. Why did the shepherds get included in the story? Because they didn't feel like they fit in. And God ushers them in to the greatest story ever told. The birth of his son. Point number three, and God came to save you, not condemn you. You may feel condemned. You may feel like I haven't played by the rules enough. Okay, let's just let's let's just call time out. Let's talk about this real quick. Could he condemn you? Oh, yes. Right. Some of us did stuff yesterday you could be condemned for, right? Just yesterday, maybe on, on the way in this morning. Your thoughts, your actions, your lips, your lives. Some of you had way too much family time this week, way too much family time. Everybody getting irritated with each other. It's like, it's time to go back to work, right? There's plenty to condemn you for. Not just outwardly what we've done, but inwardly what we've thought. He didn't come to condemn you. If he came to condemn you, we'd be having a very different service this morning. Because here's what I would be telling you. This week, by Friday, you need to get these 10 things done, and they need to be done to perfection. You've got to play the game to perfection. You can't screw this up because that's what condemnation is. Condemnation is you gotta follow the rules to the letter of the law. 
Well, Mike, are you telling me that God doesn't want me to live for him? That's not what I'm saying. If you think it's going to earn you favor, no, yeah, don't try it. But if you're doing, if you are living for him because you want to love him more, go for it. But it doesn't change how he feels about you. Plenty to condemn you for. Ultimately, you and I, we don't bring anything to the table. I have no skill. He goes, you know, if I could get Mike on the team, I don't have anything. I don't bring a lot to the table, to be honest with you. And I ran out to get something yesterday, and Ann said, I, she was painting something. She said, aren't you glad you got me as a handyman? I went, now that makes me feel really bad right now. And so uh, the handyman part of it, and I went in and dusted. All right, and so, I mean, that's just the way the, the, the Lynch house works. I don't, bring, I don't bring anything to the table. He don't want anything at the table. Everybody look at me. He just wants you. That's the story of Christmas. Fear not. He don't want you living this life going, I don't know if I'll ever be able to make it to heaven. This past week, I went and sat at a gentleman's bedside who's going to be stepping into eternity in the next few days. There is no more time to do good things, but he has no fear because of who he knows. And I pray that's true of you. Would you pray with me? Father, I got to think that it would be easy to uh, show up at church because I, a buddy invited me or a friend invited me or, but not know, not know. I didn't know that, Mike. Man, you talk about fear. I laid my head down at night and I always wonder, something happens to me, I wonder where I'll go. I didn't measure up. I don't know enough of the Bible. God, and you walk in a room like this today and you put your hands on our shoulders through the story of the shepherds and you say, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all the people. But today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you. God, there was a Savior born for everybody sitting in the sound of my voice this morning, whether they're in the chapel at True North and Compass watching online. What a tragedy to celebrate the holiday of Christmas, but to miss Christmas. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, that's me, dude. You nailed me. That was me. That is me. I want that love that he came to give me. And I want to ask Jesus in my heart, can I lead you in a prayer to meet him today? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior. Would you pray that? Father, I got to think in the scope of eternity.
heaven's quiet, peering over to some new family members that have found their way home. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I just, I don't want to miss this year. I'm a believer, but I don't want to miss what Christmas is all about. I don't want to let the fears of this world capture my heart. I want him to capture my heart. Would you just take a second and let the Lord speak to you? Would you?